0: Hey, it's Gil from The Mind. Mind Podcast. Today's Mind Culture and Social Podcast. And you're listening to Pods Like Us.
1: Hello and welcome to Pod Like Us. I'm Martin Quibel, known to my friends as Marv, and this time I'm speaking with Eric Paul Johnson and Eric Wincenson from Face the Music, an electric Electric Light Orchestra song by song podcast. There,
2: I gave it the full title.
0: <laughs> Thank you,
2: <laughs> and we can tell you've been listening because you know how to pronounce my last name. <laughs>
1: Yes, I've been listening for a while.
2: Like I said, I've heard all of the short episodes
1: that are by the Song by Song, and I'm up to date. I've even left a a message on uh, Eric Paul's uh, Twitter in response to Alone in the Universe, because I thought, well, obviously, I'm not alone in thinking that he needs to actually get a real band behind him.
0: Yeah, use the touring band. They're really good.
1: Yep. Or make up with Beth, for Christ's
0: sake. Yeah,
1: definitely would. Yes. Anyway, thanks for speaking with me today, guys. I've been looking forward to this one. It's uh, one of my favourite bands. So I'll start, probably surprisingly, Eric W. Eric W., what would you uh, say is your earliest memory of Electric Light Orchestra?
2: My earliest memory is probably we were out camping and somebody brought along a copy of, uh, I, think it was, I think it was either Greatest Hits or New World Record. Yep. And uh, unfortunately, because um, we're talking probably 10-year-olds here, uh, some idiot threw the cassette in the lake. But... <laughs>
0: Not because of the
2: music, but just because I think they wanted to see if it would float. (laughs) It wasn't me. I was the idiot who decided to uh, grab a water snake out of the uh, (laughs) lake and go, no, these things aren't poisonous. That's (laughs) right. But it is a living thing. (laughs) There you go. Oh, dear me. Yeah, that, that... I think probably the reason why I remember it so much is more the snake actually, (laughs) because music wise. Um, yeah. Uh, a name like electric light orchestra. I was already a big fan of Alan Parsons project. Probably. I was about 10, 11, 12, somewhere around there. And, uh, and so it was just natural that I would want to hear them as well. And I think the first single I bought from them was telephone line. I found it at the thrift store. That's a good buy. That's a great buy.
1: With the picture sleeve. Yeah. Wow. Ooh, very nice. I used to have that as well. When I had, when I had singles on vinyl, I'm buying them all all over again now, now that they're all selling again. So what, what, Eric, Paul, what was, what's your earliest memory?
0: Um, well, I was five when, um, can't get it out of my head became a hit. And so before that, I wasn't really paying too much attention to music so much. And so from my point of view, ELO had just always been around. So I can't really pinpoint the first time I heard an ELO song and thought, hey, I kind of like those guys. Um, You know, I liked their songs, the ones that I heard on the radio. Um, The first ELO album I heard was Discovery, Well, I didn't hear it. I saw it. Uh, yeah. They did a whole, they did videos for every one of the songs. And there was a subscription TV service back in late 70s, early 80s called On TV. And it was probably 1980 when they showed the video album. And, um, you know, I loved Don't Bring Me Down. I thought that song was freaking awesome when I was 10. So I, I watched it, and I liked D.L.O. I wasn't expecting much, because at that point, I'd heard albums, and I thought, you know what? They did release the better stuff as singles. But when I saw the video album, I was like, hey, I like every one of these songs. So, but I think, uh, you know, I, I liked them. That yeah, was great. That was good. I like that. But I think the moment that, like, blew me away was when I heard Time, and in the summer of 82 uh, for the first time, the whole album. Um, I didn't hear it the year before when it came out. And I was like, oh, my God, this is awesome. <laughs> it's it's science fiction. It's, it's you know, in the early 80s, science fiction was big, and I was big into it. And time travel, I love all that kind of stuff. And it just really sounds like I'm in 2095 when I hear it. So, and... I think those combined made me think, well, I really should check out more VLO, ELO, and, and I was glad I did.
1: Well, both of you have mentioned my two favorite ELO albums probably, A New World Order and Discovery. There Or A New I, World, I world
2: record. record. New World, yeah. Yeah. New world Order, Order was one of my mistakes, yes, I've <laughs> it for an thing. album of my own. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, New World Order was the special QAnon version they did. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: That, so um see so yeah, I would say my top three then would be um a New World Record, Discovery and El Dorado.
0: Yeah, there are four that I really like they're just my ultimate top albums. They seem to you know, every other album. El Dorado and New World Record Discovery and Time are like my top ELO albums. Not saying the ones that came in between were were bad. Those were really good too. Just uh maybe just slightly not as good as the four that I said. But, you know, really there is no such thing as a bad ELO album in in that time period.
2: But <laughs> well, that's where both of you differ with each other. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm 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 with him on my favorite Yellow albums. Maybe El Dorado, um, New World Record, and then uh Discovery in Time. Those those would be definitely my favorites as well. Um As for I wasn't bad um as much as much as mediocre no, I'm not going to go slagging on out of the blue. That just is over long. Uh, but uh, uh, on the third day is probably um, or the first one. Um, either of those would probably be the least of the seventies output. Yes, you're not you're not
1: big fans of the Roy Wood first album, that's for sure.
0: Um, you know. No, I I wasn't for a very long time. Um, We just finished up Alone in the Universe. um, As far as episodes being out there for people to hear, we don't have, as far as stuff that's recorded and ready to be posted, we're almost through with From Out of Nowhere. And I have gained a new appreciation for that first album after listening to Alone in the Universe and From Out of Nowhere because... At least that first album took chances. It went into weird places. It did things that were like, geez, I don't know if we should do that. No, we'll do that. Let's do that. Um, you know, let's have a, a soliloquy about a battle in England in the 17th century and, and play it out in a musical form for seven minutes. As much as I don't like that one, it is hard to, you know, walk away from it. It's kind of, it's like watching a train wreck. You just can't step away. But for the last two Jeff Lynn ELO albums, I don't think there are any chances taken at all. Um, I, I think he plays it safe all the way. Even the stuff that I like from those two albums, it's still pretty, you know, I'm Jeff Lynn, this is what works, I'm going to do it again.
1: Yeah, they are very formulaic albums, the both
0: of them, for sure. Um, Although I'm not very crazy about the over celloing, you know, at least the songs were, even if I didn't like them, at least the songs were interesting to hear. It's
1: basically they're just trying to find out or work out who they are on the first album. And then there's a growth until they get to a certain period until they get to El Dorado. And then suddenly that is when they start becoming the ELO that that everybody looks on, looks back on now and has such a fondness for.
0: Yes. Thanks to Jeff Lynn's dad telling him your songs suck, do something good. And and Jeff was like, okay, I'll show you good. And then he comes up with El Dorado, and it's like, yeah, that was pretty damn good.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Now, the first album, they kind of knew who they were, which is basically the move with cellos. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that was about it. They were still a psychedelic group coming off of that entire scene. And all they were really doing was adding uh, the cellos to it. And I know probably going to upset some move fans, but. After Carl Wayne left um, and Jeff Lynn took over for the vocals, was, I think the move was mainly a lot of times uh, Wood's Little Baby. So um, it didn't always, the their albums didn't always have a coherence, I should say. And the first Electric Light Orchestra album reflects that incoherence that was on the later Move albums. Yeah, because before then, I mean, a lot
1: of the material was, uh, was for the most part, written by Roy uh, in the move. As far as I can remember from the albums that I've got, I think most of them are Roy Wood written. Even if he's not the lead singer, most of the songs are written by Roy, I think.
0: Yeah, I mean, Jeff gets in a few songs, you know, when he came in at the tail end of the move. Yeah, But yeah, it, it's mostly a, a Roy Wood kind of thing.
2: Yeah, Wayne, I don't think, was a big songwriter. Yeah.
0: I meant before Jeff before
1: Jeff joined the move, oh, it was for the yeah. most part Roy. You know, with oh, yeah. classic with what we see in the UK is classics like BlackBerry Way, Fire Brigade and um Flowers in the Rain. Songs like that would be classic um move songs that Roy had w- written and uh, absolutely probably the best things that Roy's were written anyway. Well for, yeah. Well yeah.
0: Whisper
2: in the night off of uh off the first DLO album, that one I think is really good, Um, even though I think Graham Bonnet did the better version of it.
0: Yeah, agreed. Yep.
2: And I had to pay to have yeah. that Graham Bonnet single sent over to me from the UK a while back. So, <laughs> but that cost a fair penny then, Eric. Eh, not too bad. Not as much as searching down that Adriano Celentano single that everybody likes so much. Hey there, this is Bobby with the Rock Guys Podcast, and you are listening to Marv Smooth on the Pods Like Us Podcast. Check him out.
1: So, so you two have been friends for a long time then?
0: Um, October, September 1991. Okay. Um, I started going to Glendale Community College, and I was a cartoonist. And I took a class called uh, Production of the Small Publication. Because I also did my own little satire underground newspaper. And I thought, well, I'll take this class. It'll help. Maybe I'll learn some things and help make the loon news even better. And for the first couple of classes, uh, the advisor for the school newspaper was sitting in. And she saw the comic strips and said, would you like to be, you know, the cartoonist on the school newspaper? And I was like, as long as I'm the cartoonist. Because I did you know, newspaper writing and all that stuff in high school. And I hated it. (laughs) Um, I I was bad at coming up with questions. I I was terrible at, I mean, I was terrible at writing stuff that fit in the space I was given. I liked doing my underground newspaper better because I could make stuff up. As as opposed to when you write for a newspaper, you got to go talk to people and you got to get things accurate. You got to do research, but, when you're writing comedy or satire, you can just go and do your own thing. And, you know, nobody's going to get in the way, especially when you run it yourself. Um, so she said, okay, reach, come in, meet up with the arts editor, bring in your comic strips. And, and, you know, I mean, it was pretty much a done deal when I talked to the teacher, but I guess it was just, you know, go meet the arts editor and see what he thinks. And so I brought in my tunes and showed it to him. And it was Eric one was the arts editor at the time and there you go we both liked music and star trek and bloom county and he liked my tunes so other than differing politics pretty decent enough kind of guy
1: i've got a star trek picture behind me right there that's the spaceships three of them uh i forgot what there is i think there's a Cardassian, uh, uh, klingon and a romulan ship there i think there you go in that picture but it's too small a picture for you to see, right <laughs> Well, true. so we're all fellow trek fans.
0: Yes, <laughs> I had a friend make me the uh monster maroon wrath of Khan Starfleet uniform, the one with the red jacket and the the belt and and uh unbuggle a thing and the flap with the white underneath it, so yeah, yeah, dorks. I
1: mean, I mean, it's funny because every time I listen to your, your, your episodes, uh, I think, I think it's Eric Paul who does the production, uh, I'm guessing yeah. because yeah. of the, uh, those incredible archives. So I'll, I'll listen and I'll, I'll hear things and I'll think, I know where that's from. And, and you all, it's almost as if you, am I too sad to know that that's from this and that's from that. And I remember Eric Paul mentioning about, ear, not so much an earworm, but a CTL for five, uh, in the bloke's ear you know and you mentioned that one from Wrath of Khan and it's all of these um, uh, pop culture references and all of the uh, little snippets of sounds that you throw in there are just fantastic
0: thank you yeah it's a you know it's a nice transition from song facts to discussion instead of where all right song facts is done into discussion so and it's kind of fun to put those in there although sometimes I'm just burning my brain trying to think of something related to the song that I could put it in there. Um, there was one that would have been perfect if only I had heard it like a few weeks or months earlier. When I was putting together the episode for Letter from Spain, yep. I don't remember what drop I used between uh, song facts and the discussion, but a couple months later I was watching The Addams Family, and the mail came in and Morticia said, ah, it's a letter from Spain. It's like, oh, no, why didn't that come up much, much earlier? Because that would have been perfect for that transition drop.
1: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But, then, but then again, you've, you've, you've used those sort of clips uh, going as far back as your radio troller days. Anyway, you've done the same sort of production style.
0: Um, yeah, uh, probably even much earlier than that. Um, yep. Going back to Jonathan Brameyer, he used to work in Phoenix and back in 81 to 83. And he would drop in, he would use background music beds and he would put in those little drop-in sound bites for, you know, to make things funnier or or to uh, I guess, you know, accent what was being said. And from there's where I picked that up and I I like using. Them. Uh, I like playing with audio. I like editing so I think it's fun to drop those in from time to time.
1: Yeah, I mean we're, we're going we're going further ahead than where my list initially is where <laughs> that is, isn't it? But it just seemed to naturally go that way. Where so your show then, because you do that, it almost makes it it makes it stand out from a lot of the, a lot of other shows where they'll do a song by song or or that sort of thing. Where for the most part, it's just a couple, one or two people talking about specific song and that's all it is from start to finish whereas yours because of these sound bites and then the bits of archive that you use like interview footage that you've had with some of the members and things like this it makes it more of a uh show in a sense and less of a one-on-one chit-chat
0: yeah um i've heard a lot of podcasts that are boring <laughs> it's just one guy or two guys and their monotone and my ear starts to drift. And that's another yeah. reason why I put in the music beds and the, the, the drops in there because especially with the, my early episodes of the radio troller program, I will tune myself out while I'm listening to myself. So the drops kind of like, Oh, there's another sound coming in and it might pull you back in to what's being said. So, I mean, that's part of it. And it's, you know, it's entertaining. I mean, I, you know, it's good that podcasts can be informative, but they should be entertaining too, because otherwise people are just going to tune out and go away and never come back again. So you got to make it fun to listen to.
1: So, so have both of you done podcasts before, or is the first, t- this is the first time that Eric W's
2: done podcasting? I had not done podcasting before, but I've done uh, internet radio since about 2005. I've had a number of shows going on. Well, my main show, Vinyl Casserole, has been on since about 2005, I believe.
1: Yep. So how did the show come about then? Face the Music, an Electric Light Orchestra song-by-song podcast. I'm getting the full Um, title in every time.
0: Thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, I, in 1983, I declared ELO my band. This can be my band. I was 14. I thought these, uh, so far, you know, I, 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 like the singles I've heard on the radio. I liked discovery and time and secret messages that just came out. So I, yeah, sure. They're good so far. Um, and for like a couple years, every few months or something, I'd do a podcast search. Is there an electric light orchestra podcast? And there wasn't there would be podcasts that would have one episode dedicated to ELO, but not one that actually went into things and did what I wanted. I wanted to hear, you know, thoughts and information about every song. And at some point I was just like, all right, fine. I guess I'm going to have to do this my damn self. So I um, posted on my Facebook, would anybody want to do an ELO podcast with me? Because I don't think it'd be as much fun to listen to if it's just me talking about the, the song. So we need somebody else to have their thoughts and opinions and, and also witty banter and all that stuff with. And Eric uh, was the only one who chimed in and said, y- yeah, I wouldn't mind doing that. So and then from there I started putting things together and it was in November when I hatched the idea and in January was when we started, uh, started recording November 2017 yeah and then January 2018. Hi this is Katie of Bad Council with some good counsel you should keep listening to Marv at Pods Like Us.
1: <laughs> so are you always far ahead then when you record when you put shows out you, are you're always so many episodes ahead of yourself?
0: Yeah we're about two months ahead right now it's usually been you know month and a half, two months ahead. So uh, this week, uh, it's going to be... That will post to the world, Handle With Care, the uh, live version that Jeff and ELO did. And then we go into From Out of Nowhere, as far as what goes out to the public. But uh, from what we're recording, uh, the next episode we're doing is one of the last two songs on From Out of Nowhere. So we're... We're pretty far ahead, which I like. Because there've been a couple of times where it's like one of us just can't do it because we got other things going on more important than chit chatting about ELO. Things we gotta take care of, so it's okay, that's fine. We're really far ahead. We don't have to do it this week. So Well
1: there's definitely a really fun rapport between the two of you that comes across. That's for sure.
0: Uh yeah, it helps that we both sort of have the same warped and sometimes pretty dark humor um i would say eric is smarter cuz he's he's thrown references at me and i've been i just nod uh-huh and and, and we move on i wouldn't
2: exactly say smarter i'd just say different interests yeah one of you has a
1: child uh, that he has to record for the show, and the other one eats children.
0: That's right. Eric That's true. My stepdaughter, Madeline, at the end of every, every episode, she says what she thinks of the song, and uh, I keep it pretty simple. She either likes it or hates it or thinks it's okay. Um, but in the expanded episodes, sometimes she can be amusing, and I'll let those – I won't edit down – her comments for the expanded episodes. And because Eric Kate's Jungle, the song from Out of the Blue, that makes him a baby eating monster. Yeah. Occasionally uh
2: baby curry or uh um actually I just like it simple with a little bit of salt and pepper and uh maybe a little bit of Worcestershire. See? He admits mm. it. <laughs> I I know what I'm having
1: I know what I'm having for supper now.
0: <laughs> well Eric has turned me on to baby so I, I kind of like deep fried baby I think that tastes really good
1: but um I, I mean one of the one of the best ones was uh, discovering that Jeff had gone back in time and stolen an idea from Madeline as well
0: Oh yeah that's right um yeah she went on a big long rant about living thing when I played it for her and I clipped it out and saved it for the bonus tracks episode. Uh, she didn't like the song because she said oh. Jeff stole it from her about, I don't know, 35 years before Madeline was born, whatever the difference is from 1976 to
1: 2011. So, yeah. <laughs> and uh, g- good luck with your idea of getting Madeline to revisit all the songs when she's 16.
0: Yeah, we'll see how that goes I'll we'll see if she's up for that idea or if like most 16 year olds leave me alone dad your band is uncool and i got people at school that might hear this so we did it it's over can we both just move on with our lives dad or stepdad but what make what makes your, your show as
1: good as well is the fact that you are both open to just saying how you feel about the songs so you know, you will say if you th- if you think a song is not good, or if a song is great, and then you'll
2: you'll occasionally go, well, that song sort of
1: meh.
0: <laughs> yeah,
2: I I actually restrain myself sometimes. <laughs> really? <laughs> well, remember that one this wasn't an ELO song, but I don't know if you are still around at the, at that newspaper when I think they stopped sending me, um, sample CDs. They said one album sounded like a 45 minute bowel movement. And uh, <laughs> so I, yeah, I've always been kind of honest about my feelings about music. In fact, I've, yeah, somebody was very surprised because they said, well, how about you come and tell the musician this themselves? And so, well, I did, and <laughs> just yeah. He said, "What do you think of our songs?" Well, you, everything's great. Just get rid of that lead singer, <laughs> and he just reluctantly admitted, "Yeah." <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I basically like what I like, and I stand behind what I say on a lot of things. But yeah, I do. Rest- I. I do restrain myself sometimes because otherwise it gets repetitive, hmm. just saying the same things about stuff. Um, jungle, though, uh, yeah, Jungle just got to me somehow, and that became the famous touchstone of why a bunch of VLO fans blocked us. <laughs>
1: Um, So which song would you rather listen to? Would you rather listen to Jungle by ELO or would you rather listen to the Beatles? You know my name, look up the
2: number. Jungle. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) (laughs) No no question on that. Yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah, that is. Yeah, people who say that the Beatles can't do a bad song.
0: Yeah, they probably haven't heard the entire catalog. I love the Beatles, but even they didn't hit gold every time. Mm-hmm. Um, Even, Len- Even
1: Lenin said that.
0: Yeah, well, there's a Lenin song that always comes to my mind, and I'm not talking about Revolution Number Nine. Um, first time I heard it, the first opening lyric is "I love you, woo 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 woo," and I'm just, what were you 12 when you wrote that? You're not 12 anymore. Probably. You're like 24 or 22. At this, he's probably about 24 at that point, and "I love you, woo 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 woo." It's uh, uh, don't do that again.
2: Well, um, 12 isn't exactly an excuse either because Lucky Man by Emerson Lake and Palmer, Greg Lake wrote that as pre-teen, I think, and you can kind of tell, but it's still better than I love you woo woo woo.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um as for me, I'm I'm a terrible liar. Um I can't go around and say, "Well, this song is great. I really loved it and I hope I can hear it again more and more. So I can't. I can't fake it. If I don't like it, I don't like it. And um, uh, where's I going? <laughs> You're going somewhere. It was right there, and then it just it, it fluttered off.
2: <laughs> fluttered off into the fifties. Yeah. You need a butterfly catcher to catch
0: these things. <laughs> I I put my head inside of a plastic bag and seal it tightly. So the thoughts don't get out.
1: <laughs> no, because then I don't think we get any more
0: episodes. Yeah, now I know where I was going. It's really boring. And it's actually a little kind of creepy to for people who love a band to say every single song is great. It's almost like being in a cult where the band can do no wrong. And it's, so, and it's also boring if you're going to tune into every episode and you know that they're just going to say, that was a great song. So, I mean, what would be the point then of, of listening if you know the outcome of every episode? Oh, they're going to like this song again. And they're going to like that song again. So, yeah. Hey, this is Brian with Concerts That Made Us podcast. And you're listening to Pods Like Us, a great show about other great shows.
2: I, that's been part of the challenge of the last two albums is... There's so much on there where there's not much to say about it. Yeah. And so trying to come up with something interesting to say about a song that you forgot about five minutes after listening to it (laughs) is quite a challenge sometimes. Yeah. Especially when you listen to it 20 times and you can't even remember the title.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I had that happen too with these last couple of Jeff Lynne ELO albums.
1: Yeah. There's quite a few mentions from Eric Paul about how songs sound a bit like armchair theater as well.
0: Yeah. And I love armchair theater and cloud nine and, and the Wilburs and all that stuff. That's great. But if you hear the same kind of sound, in every album for 30 years, you know, the albums that come after that are just, uh, so we're we're doing this again, are we? So it's it's just kind of you know I still love those old albums, Wilburys and Armchair Theatre and all that, but when you hear it rehashed, album after album after album after album, it gets old.
1: Is an interesting tangent. Have either of you got a favorite outside project that Jeff's done?
2: Traveling Wilberries. Yep, the first one. Absolutely the first album. Yeah, first album. Yeah, Traveling Will. That's one of my favorite albums of all time, actually, Mm -hmm. is uh, Traveling Wheelbury's Volume 1. So uh, other than his production work, I would say that that's probably it. Um, Because uh, for this production work, I've liked that Uh, pretty straight through from when he started working with uh, George Harrison and Tom Petty around that same time. Um, I didn't exactly, uh, well, I'm probably going to get some people's hackles up again. I didn't exactly like his production work with Dave Edmonds um, because I like most of Dave Edmonds' stuff before information and all that. But uh, I thought those albums sounded kind of more like a dry run, and he improved a whole lot by the time he did the uh, production on Cloud9
0: absolutely eric paul um I, as for jeff lynn uh he did i hear it was a movie and it like bombed like probably even before it hit the theaters uh, i think it's called all this in world war Two. and jeff did um <laughs> eric knows the movie <laughs> by the faces <laughs> he's making um jeff lynn did a song called uh a song called he covered uh, the beatles with a little help from my friend slash nowhere man and he did it with a full orchestra and just an orchestra there's no there's no rock part to it um and i really love that uh bev Bevan did a solo single in 76 i think called let there be drums and jefflin produces that and for a three minute long drum solo it's really pretty frickin' awesome. Yep. Um, first Wilburys album is perfect. I know people get on the, the Three Dolls, the Beatles reunion, but I really liked, and I still like, Free as a Bird and Real Love. Yep. Um, armchair Theater. There's a lot of non-ELO Jeff Lynn that I like that probably take up a lot of time.
1: I just thought it was interesting to ask that because of the fact that almost the the problem that you've got with your show is that you can't go into those areas in in as much uh, detail.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, When I started the podcast, I was just going to limit it to ELO because if we stray off into other areas, we're going to be doing this forever. And I kind of like where... One thing about podcasts that drives me nuts is when they don't stay on topic. When they, you know, I show up for an Atari 2600 podcast or whatever, I want to hear about Atari 2600 video games. I don't want to hear it drift off into about football games or TV shows or anything like that. And I kind of like the idea of this is about ELO, and when we finish it, we put it up on a shelf, and here's your ELO podcast. It's all about ELO and nothing else but we're getting near the end and through Patreon we're not making enough to live off of but we got enough coming in to where I'm thinking eh, maybe if maybe we should continue cuz it'd kind of be an idiot to walk away from you know a spare f- 40 or 50 dollars a month just for doing the podcast so we I'm bouncing the idea back and forth around in my head do we go on to like The Idol Race and Move and Bevan's solo single and and Violinsky, which was Mick Kaminsky's solo thing back in 1979, late 70s, early 80s. Um, And and Jeff Lynne produced stuff and and all that. So um, I'm really thinking about it. You know, if we get a a huge influx of monthly cash of about $3,000 a month, yeah, I'll keep this money train going, so... But, you know, we'll, I get time to figure it out still. Yep.
1: Same here, patreon.com forward slash pods like us. <laughs> Send me the money.
0: <laughs> yes,
1: exactly. But So we may end up getting you to talking about Honest Men at some point then.
0: Yes. Um, we did a whole episode about Electric Light Orchestra Part 2. Um, cause I was kind of wondering, well, do we go into ELO part two or, you know, does the part two of the name just make that a completely different band? And we decided, yeah, it kind of does. So we just summed up ELO part two in one episode. I think it was about an hour long. And we said something about a lot of the songs and also gave our thoughts on, on the band and if that really should have happened kind
1: of thing i'll look forward to that one that's one i've got to
2: one of the longer ones i'll get to eventually yeah yeah we didn't go into the orchestra album because i don't think i knew it existed at that particular point
0: yeah which Um, was
2: still basically elo part two but they changed their name to the orchestra released one studio album under that and even though that was mainly their touring thing um and then I guess that studio album is supposed to be better than the other two. It's supposed to be a lot better than the other two. Because okay. I think they completely separate themselves for the most part from that ELO sound.
0: Yeah, I know they exist. I haven't heard them. That would also be something I'd you know, look into if we decide to you know, go beyond ELO with the podcast. Because I've heard good stuff about it too.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm surprised. Actually, there's not more of uh, Kelly on those album on the ELO Part Two albums. To be to be honest, because Kelly's voice was incredible in the in in the lineup of ELO itself.
0: Yeah, um, he gets a couple of songs in ELO Part Two where he sings lead, uh, mostly on uh, on the second album. And yeah, we even <laughs> said Kelly's voice is great. Yeah, I wish we could have heard more of it.
2: Yeah, he wasn't on the first album at all. Yeah, I know he was on the tour, but he wasn't on the first album it, when they recorded it. So, yeah, second album, yeah, one of the best songs on there, which is that whole one about the fox.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. That's all him, and yeah, that definitely stands out because it sounds prog but it also doesn't sound like electro Orchestra. That's kind of probably why I like Moment of Truth a little bit better than their first one is because they start sounding more like their own band, rather than just trying to drum up nostalgia, even though I know when it came to concerts, that was how they made the money. So,
0: I'm Agent Scott, and I'm Cam the Provocateur, and we're from the Spy Hards podcast. That's right, and you are listening to Pods Like Us, the podcast that also has the Midas touch.
1: So what sort of research do you both do then, on the lead up to recording episodes?
0: Um, Mostly, very mostly, very heavily, there's a website called the Jeff Lynne Database, and it has every single song that Jeff Lynne wrote, produced, played, sang on, so that's where we pull most of our information from, and it's got uh, quotes from articles, radio shows that either people have written or said about ELO or interview clips from members of the band. And that's where most of it comes from. A little bit from Wikipedia, if I'm having trouble finding anything about a song, because there have been a few songs where it's like, there's nothing here. There's no, I, I you know, even at the Jeff Lynne database, they don't really have much written, except it was released on this album, and this is who played on it. And tend to go to Wikipedia for uh, album sales, where the chart, how it did on the charts, and release dates, although I've been told by, even bigger ELO fans than me that wikipedia has a lot of the release dates wrong on the albums they're not quite right so
1: so what about eric w what sort of research do you do leading up to it or is it just listening and then um writing your notes down and much the same as eric paul looking on the jeff wayne site and i mean jeff lynn site and everything <laughs> jeff, yeah jeff wayne, completely different blend.
2: Yeah mine is just look at the Jeff Lynn uh, database a lot of times. Um early on I tried using Wikipedia but Wikipedia had so much wrong. <laughs> and uh so I imagined that rather quickly because it made me sound like an idiot. So yeah, I started using the Jeff Lynn database because happily somebody has always already done all the research we would ever have to do. Yeah. And has put it up there, even if the uh, even if it looks like an old GeoCities site. Probably is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it's been around Probably. that long, but so. it it is a font of ELO information, not just for ELO, but it's the Jeff Lynn database. So if you want to know his work with Del Shannon that never got released, or um, what they what songs they did in concert. Uh, for that particular year's tour, um, what got recorded but may never have been released, uh, that's all there. Um, So it's as much information as uh, anybody would ever ever need. Um, So that's one of the good things. For the most part, though, um, other than looking at it to see uh, certain information, um, it's mainly I listen to it, and then I form an opinion. We listen a little bit differently. He listens multiple times to a song. Um, I physically have a problem sometimes with listening to multiple, to the same song over and over and over again, unless I'm actually trying to get it digitized. I'm having some sort of problem with it. By then, though, uh, my neighbors have probably heard me. Um, But... uh yeah, so we do listen a little bit different. Um, a lot of times, uh, and yeah, a bunch of people are going to slap their heads over this. Mostly, I I usually listen maybe once to a lot to a lot of the songs, but then again, a lot of the older songs I've heard them so many times. Even the album cuts, I've heard them so many times over the last forty years or so. So it's. Not like I really have to get in-depth into them. Um, And uh, sometimes trying to listen in-depth to modern remixed versions and stuff, remastered versions, uh, is usually not really revealing revealing anything new. I kind of like the old vinyl versions a lot better, uh, the way they were originally mixed, because... Um, unless the original producers involved in the remastering, you might be getting somebody else's complete interpretation of how the song should sound, rather than say how Jeff Lynne wanted it to sound. Oh,
0: well, yeah. There you go.
1: It, it, that that reminds me. I mean, I'm going off. I'm going off on a tangent again here, but to the Beatles uh, when um, Giles Martin, George Martin's son, remixed the the White Album. I think it was and uh, I'm going to mention the song here that I know you both don't like which is Revolution 9 sounds completely different we're to telling. what to what it was in 1968 when it well or whenever 68 when it came out but it's completely different he's he's taken all of the original sounds that were on there and he's basically created a completely new piece to me hmm. with that one but yeah so I'll listen to it, and there's certain bits which will come in and out, and I'll think, "Hold on, that wasn't there before." And so sometimes remixing can completely change the whole way that a song comes across.
0: Well, now I'm curious. I'm going to have to listen. Have to listen to that, uh, the the um, Giles version.
1: I wish I'd not said now, because you're going to have to listen to that, aren't
0: you? <laughs> <laughs> okay, if I made it through the first time, aren't I. I can toughen up and get through it a second time.
1: (laughs) So I'm I'm going to go back to production a little bit here because there's little bits that I'm sort of interested in. So um, the music that you've got for the show, um, how do you get hold of that? Because as I've listened, the more that I've listened, um, sort of almost the intro music has changed. It's like a different version of Mr. Blue Sky, for instance. Yeah so um yeah
0: uh well at first yeah it was just the mr blue sky from out of the blue and i changed it when we hit time when we hit the more heavily synthesized elo that was something i grabbed from um flashback uh, a little synth thing that comes on before hold on tight i believe and then when we hit the jeff lynn elo I used the Mr. Blue Sky from the, the when he, that album, where he remade all of his own songs, because um, I thought, well, this is 21st century ELO we're into now. I'll use the 21st century version of Mr. Blue Sky. Um, when I think back on though, I kind of, I kind of wish I had done a different intro or used different intro music. For like the first three albums, maybe um, the beginning of In Old England Town to sort of match the era of ELO that we were going to be talking about. Um, and then when we hit El Dorado, go into Mr. Blue Sky. But I think, you know, at the time, you know, starting up the podcast, Mr. Blue Sky is the most iconic ELO song. So, you know, people tune in for ELO there or if they just hear it, it's like, oh, oh, that's ELO. So, yep. This is B. Nicole from Buried on the Tundra, and you're listening to Pods Like Us.
1: But then you've got all those <laughs> funny cover versions That at the end. Is that yourself doing that, or has somebody else done that for you?
0: Uh, we have one person. Oh, I lost his name.
2: MJ Folds.
0: No, he does the jingles. But yes, right. MJ Folds yeah. does the uh, jingles um, after the, the voicemail bit. Yeah, he, he does those, and he's he's pretty witty. And I have to thank Taz Barkley for that, because um, we had a guy doing the voicemail bumpers, and unfortunately, he died. So um, I wanted a new voicemail bumper voice, and I had people audition for it. And I like Taz's voice, because it was female and it was British. So female British voices, Yeah. That's working for me. But MJ also auditioned and he was going to do the the phone bumpers by playing a little bit of the song himself doing those. And Taz says, "No, you you should put him on that show." I, you know, I'll step back and he can do that. I was like, "No, no. I picked you. I want you, Taz. I like your voice." Um, but she kept pushing and I kept running it through my head, "No, maybe there is a place for MJ in here." And I thought, yeah, do your little versions of ELO and I'll stick them in the show. And that's where that came from.
1: Yep. And then when you do the, the bonus tracks episode, you have mm. those uh, synthesized versions in the background as well?
0: Unfortunately, yes. See, I don't mind the, the 8-bit versions every once in a while. What I would love is if I could find you know, people covering ELO songs as instrumentals um, using weird voices. If I had a kazoo orchestra or, you know, a a banjo group or more pipe organ ELO songs. Um, But apparently not a lot of people play pipe organ or have a banjo around. So, But there is one guy, and I feel terrible for forgetting his name, Um, but he does one song... From the album that we're covering and he does it with a keyboard and uh, midi stuff and he's actually a musician and he works with his his son on it and they he they create they pick one song and, and create their own version of it that i use if you listen to the bonus tracks episode i thank him at the end of every episode and then you'll be able to hear it and hear what he does and I'm thinking when we finish the episode, uh, finish the ELO songs that I'll just make an episode with all of his uh, – all of the music that he made for the show because I feel really bad talking about it because he does a really good – or I feel really bad talking over them because he does a really good job with them and I think they should be heard. So.
1: We could do it as a Patreon thing, where you just have uh, just have those those theme those tunes as their own file, and not, you don't talk over them at all.
0: I could do that. Mm. Yes, I could. <laughs> I didn't <laughs> think of that until now.
1: <laughs> yeah, because I also had the thought of Patreon as well. You could possibly do a short uh, episode with that chap who does the um, the Jeff Lynn database as well perhaps.
0: Yeah. I did a, a special episode. Um, the top 33 ELO songs on the American billboard chart, because they only had 33 songs, uh, make the charts here in America. And it was just going to be a one-time special episode. And, but I couldn't figure out how to set up Patreon to make it where they just, you know, if they want to pay for that episode, that special amount, $5 or whatever, just for that episode. I couldn't figure out how to make it happen just for that episode without them getting charged, you know, $5 every time there's a new episode that isn't related to that. And I didn't want to feel like I suckered them, and I'm I'm gouging them with, you know, the, the, the preview episodes where you get to hear it a week before everybody else does, or the $2 expanded episodes because, you know, People sign up, they expect to pay $1 per episode, or $2 per expanded episode, and I didn't want people to get upset with, why am I being charged $30 now for stuff that I was supposed to be, you know, $4, $10 a month, so. So I just wound up making that, you know, here, it's part of the dollar episode package, <laughs>
1: Are there any standout moments in the show where, um, for instance, you've learned something new that you never knew beforehand?
0: I didn't know ELO was used in a porn movie from the 70s.
2: Oh, yeah. no, Nor did I.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's called X. Not X- with X-
2: X- permission. <laughs> I, won't be watching
0: that. I won't be watching that again. <laughs> Oh, yeah. you
2: you had to see that. Oh boy! Uh, I'm still saying that there are lines that uh, one of the women says, that one of the main women says in there that as uh, is, is definitely not sexy in any connotation. <laughs> if something feels like it's on fire, that means a doctor visit. That does not mean that you continue with the with the porn shoot. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah, they used uh, selected songs from the first three albums. Oh, and, uh, and Fire on High was what the introduction music, uh, the opening credits music, uh, because it was supposed to set some sort of spooky mood. Um, yeah, I didn't know it existed until we started doing the podcast and I see it come up in the Jefflin database, because it will all, also, listen, also list, you know, in the song facts, the song was used in this movie TV show or commercial or whatever. And I saw ecstasy in blue and I, I, know, I never heard of ecstasy in blue. So I went and I looked it up and see in, in Google searches adult film. Um, is this what I think it is? Or is this more like, uh, some sort of really mature grown-up drama and <laughs> no, no, it was no, 70s it, porn. It's
2: definitely the former.
0: Yeah. 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 yeah.
2: What gets me though is when they used fire on high in there, they actually use it well, because that's the very beginning where it, l- it gives you this whole cult vibe, and then they have the camera sweeping over the ca- candles and everything, so it actually makes it look like somebody's going to put some real production value into this, and then after that, it's oh boy, it's seventies porn. It, it's it's seventies porn.
0: Yeah, I mean, it also did change my uh, interpretation or use of the opening, the beginning of Daybreaker, because at some point in the movie, uh, Betrayal is revealed, and that's when Daybreaker kicks in. And it's like, that was actually a pretty good musical choice there. (laughs) Hmm.
1: (laughs) So, what album would you suggest people start their collection? Of ELO with
0: I mean I love Time that's my ultimate favorite album for some people it might be difficult to take because it is hardcore 80s synth um, it, it's great the way he makes Jeff Lynne's production and Richard Tandy's Genius and really the whole band can make something from 1981 feel like you're in 2095 I think for just a regular old person coming in brand new, I think a new world record is a good uh, introduction album. Yeah. Um, Eldorado is great, but I think El Dorado is El Dorado. I think a new world record kind of represents a broader um, sound of ELO like from 1975 to 1980. I think, uh, I think that's a, a good album and a short album. You know, I, uh, you know, not dump a double album on them right away. Um, you know, normal album length. So I think a New World Record's a good starter album. Yep. I agree. Yep,
2: Yeah, I, I agree. New World Record is probably the best uh, starter album. It's better than Face the Music, um, but uh, it's still in the same vein, so if you've heard some of the hits off of that, or if it, Amer- American um, classic rock stations do play Fire on High quite a lot, yeah, um, as okay. well. So if you're familiar with that kind of stuff, then New World Records going to be good because it's got straight through good songs. Face the Music has some low points, out of the blues a little bit. I, I've always said it was too way too long, but it still had. But those, and then you get a little bit disco influenced discovery, but it's not too much of a departure from the other. So. It's a good starting point. Then you get those others. Then I would say El Dorado, and then, um, and then maybe uh, Time and Secret Messages before you go grabbing the rest of the stuff.
0: Yeah, I've seen people say, "We'll start him at the beginning." No answer, and I say, "No, don't do that." (laughs) That's like starting first season
2: of Star Trek: Next Generation.
0: Yeah, if if, yeah people go in blind (laughs) and think this is ELO, okay, I'm done (laughs) here. Yeah.
1: G'day, g'day. This is Maddie C from the Astros Fantasy Football Podcast way down in Australia. And we love getting to listen to Marv meet new podcasters from all over the world here on the Pods Like
2: Us podcast.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean what you said about El Dorado sort of makes sense because uh, in a way, the thing about El Dorado is that it's possibly the closest that they got to Prague. In a sense, because it's a because it's a full on concept from start to finish, so it's a bit of a heavy album, heavy album for people to get into straight off, unless you are pro- a prog fan. And then yeah. I'll throw I'll throw you in there and just say, yep, yeah, go go and listen to that if you like. Yes, if you like this, like that. Eldorado is your bag, but other yeah. than that, I I agree. I think I think New World Record is the perfect album to start
0: with. Um,
2: yeah. The thing is. It's a little bit different in the in the states with getting into Elo because um 10538 overture was kind of a, a an introduction the move already had a history people in, when buying that single knew that this was an offshoot of the move and everything so it was it it was a good start in the UK I would say for introducing to Electric Light Orchestra. Showdown and Ma 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 Bell were very minor hits over here. Roll Over Beethoven didn't make the top 40. Came close though. Um, but uh, the first one that was really a big hit was Can't Get It Out of My Head. Yep. So that is, uh, um, even though that's off of El Dorado, that for a lot of people in the United States who weren't already prog heads, um that was the introduction to elo was can't get it out of my head because that got up in what about number five or something
0: number i got up in the top can't get it out of my head got to number nine
2: number nine yeah um and then from there they had a huge string of of hits from that point on and uh so That was kind of the introduction to a lot of to a lot of people here. Was kind of like a stripped down version of "Can't Get It Out of My Head" without all the Lewis Clark orchestral parts and everything around it. Okay, I don't know if I've heard it without the orchestration, right? Yeah, well, it's got the orchestration in the song, but I'm talking about doesn't have the El El Dorado beginning. Of course, doesn't have that whole beginning part part
0: there. El Dorado overture. Yeah.
2: Right, the El Dorado Overture does da, not have that da, da, as the single da, 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 version, it just goes right into the song. Yeah,
0: no, I was, Sorry. first time I heard the album, I was 15, I was like, oh my god, this is fantastic! So, yeah.
2: Yeah, no, one of my surprises was hearing that entire El Dorado Overture stolen for a French pop song.
0: Oh, that's right, yes. you pointed yeah. to that yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: Um, I know it's called a loom. I'm trying, can't remember who the guy is. I know I've got it recorded, but it's in my playlist, but yeah, it, it's, uh, that surprised me because all of a sudden I put that on and all of a sudden this entire, the entire Dorado overture comes up just without the dialogue. <laughs> <But>, um, <laughs> surprised it wasn't a lawsuit on that one. Cause it, I think it was a top 40 hit in France. So
1: before I go any further, the show logo is perfect as well, you know, because it look it it is technically the the ELO uh, spaceship. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Just, classic one, yeah, yeah. I just
0: classic. found it on the internet, and oh, I'm going to use this. So that was it.
1: it. It's like it's like you know you you saying having Mister Blue Sky at the beginning. It's it's, it's the thing where. People know what they're getting straight away. So if you've got that as the logo, then you've got Mister Blue Sky opening the so- opening the show. People know, oh, it's an ELO podcast.
0: You know, so it says it all. Yeah, no, that that logo—it's in- impossible to be anything else. I mean, I think it's a great logo. <sighs> what has frustrated me since I saw the uh, Discovery Video album is I've always wanted that light-up ELO. spaceship logo thing that that guy holds in the video i "I want that and then but you know jeff lynn the jeff lynn store run by jeff lynn's team or whatever it's just t-shirts and handbags and and hats and and eh, stuff i want that i want that thing from the discovery video album make that sell that that's what i'd buy and it's the future just leds a little battery You don't have to have any complicated wiring, which is probably what they had back for that video album to light that thing. Probably.
1: (laughs) He's lucky he didn't get electrocuted holding it. (laughs) Yeah. So I hear that you're both – a friend of mine says that you're guesting on their show because you're going to trim out of the blue, apparently.
0: Oh, that's right. Huh? Yes. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> I forgot about it because it's not until April. But I do have a, a reminder set on my computer. Oh,
2: okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so.
1: It it it's it's an, it's an eternal um um thing, isn't it, that way, you know, out of out of the blue you can listen to it and you can think, you know, they could really make a classic single vinyl album out of this and it's it's along similar lines to you listen to the songs that ended up on the expanded secret messages. And you think, could they have actually made a better album of sing, secret messages by mixing up songs that they left off the original release? What
0: do you think? Yeah. With that? Um, I mean, I, hello. My old friend is, is, is stone cold. Frickin awesome. but. What? I understand when it was cut down to a single album, why it was cut. Because it's this seven-minute song, and that's going to take up a huge chunk of real estate on the vinyl. So, and you got all these other songs. So, you know, and it's not 1973 where people are making seven 12-minute songs anymore. So, I understand why it was cut, but, I mean, it was Jeff Lynn's Goodbye to ELO song. And Secret Messages was supposed to be the last album. So, besides being a great song, it, it was a great goodbye song. But, you know, people at CBS Records said, no, no, it's going to it's gonna cost us too much to make it. Cut, get rid of some of the dead weight. And unfortunately, some of the dead weight was pretty damn good. Better than some of the songs that were on the album, even though I liked the Secret Messages album, as it was first released. But yeah, there was a lot of good stuff that had to unfortunately go.
2: Yeah. I think out of blues kind of the opposite where there was way too much that could have gone.
1: (laughs) So what advice would you give to people starting their own podcast for the first time?
0: Um, just because they're your friends and family, they're not going to listen just because they're your friends and family. Um, Um, so true (laughs) yeah uh stay on topic there was a podcast uh, about wkrp in cincinnati a tv show here in america and it would be like about an hour and a half and they would spend 20 minutes talking about the episode and they would spend the next 40 to 50 minutes talking about things that really don't have much to do with the, with the episode they're talking about. There's a Christmas episode that I really love, and I was really looking forward to hearing it. They spent about 20 minutes talking about that, and the other 40 minutes they talked to their moms about what life must have been like in 1980. And that's not why I'm here. I'm here for WKRP. I'm not here for what your mom's life was like in 1980. I was alive in 1980. I was 11. I remember it very well. Let's hear your thoughts on this WKRP episode, and that will drive me away from. <laughs> if it's something like that that just happens all the time, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bother listening after a while. I mean, I'll give a podcast plenty of chances to to win me over, but if after two or three weeks worth of episodes, you know, 14 or 21 episodes, and you're still driving me nuts by not talking about why I'm coming here, then. I'm, I'm done. I'll move on. I'll start my own podcast or find other podcasts that do stay on topic about what I want to hear. Which is, you know, that was one of the rules when I started the podcast. Stay on topic. Um, which we violate.
2: yes, yeah. Occasionally.
0: <laughs> but I edit that stuff out. So that in the final <laughs> episode that goes out to everybody... We pretty much stay on topic. The expanded episodes, though, I leave that stuff in because people are paying for longer episodes. And we'll, and sometimes when we do go off topic, it is amusing or interesting, but, you know, I, it's, it doesn't have to do with that song. So it's, it's got to be put in the expanded episodes that you can only hear if you pay $2 an episode at Patreon. Right.
2: Well, sometimes there's not enough interesting to say about the song without going off topic, because just both of us coming on yawning and that's the end of the show is uh, not going to cut it.
0: Well, I remember for El Dorado finale, we talked about the song for a little bit and we drifted off into movies and Brazil. And at some point I said, have we finished talking about El Dorado finale? It's like, yeah, yeah, we have. So. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> on to the rest of the show phone bumper and all that other stuff
1: if you want to hear about the garbage being emptied there on the expen- extended episodes
0: <laughs> right that was on a bonus tracks episode when i used to have the uh the outtakes which when we moved to expanded episodes as, as secret messages there was no reason for outtakes anymore so that that segment was a uh, cut from the bonus tracks episodes So
1: what other f- podcasts do you actually both listen to uh, Eric Winsenson
2: Um I listen to uh the Doctor Who podcast from ESO uh quite a bit um when I get around to it um it's not exactly a podcast but there's uh I think they do podcasting as well but I usually listen to um to it just right off their YouTube channel um there's a um it was a magazine called Sea of Tranquility, and the guy who ran the magazine, Pete Pardo, he does his own YouTube channel and also podcasts and everything. But he usually does something every Friday morning with uh, another music writer named Martin Popoff, who used to work for uh, a um, Canadian music publication. Yeah. And uh, so I listen to I listen to their stuff a, uh, a lot as well because they often come up with some good topics going over. In fact, one of the best ones recently is they went over some of the old music uh magazines like Cream and uh Kerrang! and all those that have been long gone for na- for a while now. And uh yeah, so I that that's usually what I listen to is uh if it's not science fiction or literature, it's a lot of times mu- uh music podcasts. That's that's my um,
1: claim to fame, by the way. I've I've been in a band that's been featured in Kerrang. but there you go.
2: Oh, Eric, cool. Paul, oh, for, which one?
1: Oh, I used to be in a band called Shadow Play years ago. We were just featured in their gigs to go and go and see, and we're in their list of concerts or something. You know, oh, go and see this band, and it's the only time I've ever mm-hmm. appeared in press, and so, you know, with with music. <laughs> <I think. laughs>
0: Eric Paul. Um. My favourite podcast right now is WKRP cast. Um, This isn't that WKRP podcast that I was complaining about. These people, they stay on topic. They will talk a little bit. They will take like side roads to maybe explain something, but they won't go on for 45 minutes and then drifting further, further, deeper in the woods. We'll take a minute or two to explain something that a reference that might be obscure. And then they're right back into talking about the episode. Um, They have a lot of fun doing it. They play clips from the the TV episode that they're talking about. They play clips of music that was used in the episode. Uh, If I was going to make a WKRP podcast, it it would have sounded like that. And I did give thought to doing that after hearing the other WKRP podcast that drove me nuts. Um, I Also, listen to Mission Log, where they cover Star Trek episode by episode. Sort the same idea of our ELO podcast, um, music from 100 years ago. Uh, I plays music from the first 50 years of the 20th century, so there's a lot of old, old stuff, cylinders and that kind of thing. Um, I like New England New England Legends. Um, they usually 15-20 minute episodes. They take some sort of myth or you know legend or or you know urban uh legend about new england witches ghosts hauntings uh just unusual things that have happened in new england history and, and try and and they dig into it and give you the backstory and, and they get newspaper articles and it's it's actually pretty cool i've you know i was born in boston and i lived in new england until i was seven so I really love hearing about New England.
1: I wrote down that uh, WKRP one because I used to watch that when it was shown late at night over here in the UK.
0: Oh, cool. Yeah. WKRP cast. That's the good one. Don't listen to WKRP. Hold my beer. uh, Lousy dresser. It's something it's titled (laughs) something like that. That's the one where they talk 20 minutes about an episode and then go on for an hour about In one episode, they started to talk about the history of Canadian pizza, pineapple and back bacon. I just, how is that related (laughs) in any way to what you're talking about to this episode? So, they drove me nuts. But WKRP cast, it's it's great.
2: The title of WKRP Hold My Beer, that should have been a uh, clue.
0: Well, I think what they did is they got the title from... The 1990s edit of the episode where, you know, Andy and, and Bailey and, and, and the staff are trying to get the Russian to uh, defect and uh, to America. And at the end, uh, the Russian guy says to Bailey, hold me closer, tiny dancer. Well, you got to get the rights to do that because he's quoting song lyrics. And back hmm. in the 90s, they really didn't bother with that so a lot of music was replaced and even things that were said like song lyrics had to be dubbed in and i think what they dubbed in was something like hold my beer lousy dresser or something like that oh yeah okay yeah yeah
2: Yeah, that makes a little bit more sense which uh that that would be my um advice if uh you're starting a podcast Nice snappy title like "Face the Music," a song by song ELO podcast or yeah. pods like us. Yeah. Those are <laughs> don't come up with something weird <laughs> that nobody want that some that doesn't stick in somebody's head. That just kind of yeah. slips as soon as you hear it. Yeah. What's up, everybody? This is Chris from the podcast Real Film Reviewed, and you're listening to Marv on Pods Like Us.
1: Unless, of course, you want to use the, uh, you know, do a a Pink Floyd podcast called, you know, Several Species of Small Fairy Creatures Gathered Together in a Cave and (laughs) Groove in with a (laughs) Pick.
2: Well, that's... Anybody who hears that title knows that's going to be Pink Floyd. (laughs) Because you've got to already be a big (laughs) Pink Floyd fan to know that song, so...
0: (laughs) That song creeps me out. I'm Even sure there's still,
1: better Pink Floyd songs
0: you could do. <laughs> yeah. Even at 53, that song still creeps me out. Or that, I don't know, sound collage. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. First time I heard that, I was really young, and uh, I, I, I actually did picture these little, little creatures. It, it actually sounds exactly like what the title says.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just pictured myself lost in the forest in the middle of the night. It's pitch dark, and I hear all this stuff screaming and and all around me and voices screaming and echoing. It's like, Mm -hmm. that's scary because my parents had a cabin up in northern Arizona deep in the forest, so I have an idea what it's like to be in the forest in the middle of the night where there are no streetlights. So, yeah.
1: I will not be listening to that song in surround sound. (laughs) Did they do Amagama surround sound version? I don't know. I don't know. I thought they'd done hmm. d- they'd done all of their back catalog that
2: they way. They usually try to ignore that one for some reason, though. A lot of t- a lot of times you get Pink Floyd catalog, other than the pick other than the cover that they tend to go metal and then obscured by clouds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, there but was an I, album I, there someplace, wasn't there? <laughs> or was it or did Umagama come before Metal? I can't remember. Was that between Adam Hart Mother and Metal? Uh, <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Maybe. But either way, it it, it it's yeah. usually one where, yeah, this album exists and it's got a live version of Astronomy Domini on it, a good live yeah. a whole good live side, and then it's got other stuff. But that that's not ELO. That's
1: not ELO. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, where can people find the show and get old of you both?
0: Well, we're on Podbean. We have a YouTube channel called the Electric Light Orchestra Podcast Channel. Um, You can go there, subscribe. The YouTube channel has Zoomcasts. um, Yes. Where there's video of me and Eric, and we read and reply to what people, what listeners said about, the songs that we covered the week before. Uh, we're also on Mixcloud, Stitcher. Um... Are we still on iTunes? Yes, oh, you well, are. Yeah, yep. duh. Yeah, and and Apple yep. Music podcast or Apple Podcast. Apple Podcast, podcast is the cool. Yes. Yeah. We're still on Apple too. So. Yes. Yeah.
2: What about iHeart? I think we were. Oh, yes,
0: we're on iHeart too.
2: We are on iHeart. Okay.
0: Uh, Probably still. I haven't checked in a long yeah. time. I just got the confirmation yeah. email like a couple of years ago. Your your podcast has been approved for iHeart. It's like great, but I haven't looked at it since then.
1: <laughs> no, and I've just started actually um, getting into the videos as well. I've subscribed to the video channel on YouTube as well.
2: Cool. Thank you. Oh, cool. Yes. Yeah, thank you very fun. much. That's okay. Um,
0: as for fun. getting a hold of us. Yeah, uh, you can call the telephone line voicemail six two three eight five oh three three seven five. We Come have on. email which I think is F T M E L O pod. You know what? <clears throat> Listen to the episodes. At the end of every episode <laughs> you the email address. I still don't have the email address set in my head. Um F M
2: L E L O or something, yeah. <laughs>
0: F-T-M-E-L-O-P-O-D at
1: gmail.com.
0: There you go. There go. We go. <laughs> um, and, you know, you can also comment on our, um, you know, on our YouTube page when we put, when new episodes post. Leave a comment there. We'll read them. Or we got a Facebook group. You'll, um, face the Music and Electric Light Orchestra Song by Song podcast. Um, there's there. I usually, you know, every week when I'm not in Facebook jail, I will post links to the episodes in different ELO groups, and people can reply to that, and I'll get that message in. And we will read the comments, good or bad, towards ELO or us, um, in the Zoom casts on the YouTube channel. And
2: there's also a PO box to send stuff to now. Yep, it's PO box two eight four nine zero. Tempe, Arizona, eight five two eight five. That's USA, of course.
0: T-E-M-P-E. And
2: yeah, T E M P E. For Tempe is uh, the name of this is the name of the city. That's my PO box. So um, if you did want to send something, um, definitely can. Keep in mind that um, I only check it when I know stuff is showing up. A lot of times, so if there's something ticking in there. You're probably not going to get me. It's just going to be collateral damage.
0: <laughs> so, yes, if you want to give us big checks or money orders, we accept them. Make them out to Eric Wincensen. He'll disperse the money. I trust him. So, so start. Basically, I this-
2: give the money back to him and let him disperse it. So,
0: <laughs> make, so, so I us- don't have to
2: worry about it.
0: Yeah. So, give us a lot of money, <laughs> and we'll keep the podcast going into into the idol race and move and Violinsky and everything else.
1: That's a great idea. I was, I was also going to, what
0: was I going to say then? Oh,
1: I, I've done, I've done what you did now, Eric Paul. I'm, I'm, where's, where's that gone? Where's it gone? It's gone <laughs> over there. <laughs> Dear me. Um, oh, you might also be lucky and feature on the episode like, uh, like Troy, because that, that was an interesting one where suddenly you, Troy, Became part of the show. I forgot all about Troy White. How can I forget Troy?
0: I know, right? Um, Yeah, in the comments that people make, uh, some of them write really long comments and really good comments, and they're written really well. And I and I just think, well, this shouldn't be in the in a Facebook comment that only a few people are going to see. If they're like consistently writing, you know, great analysis of the song and and that kind of stuff i said you want to do it for the podcast so that's how troy got in and then for the expanded episodes that you would pay um two dollars per episode at our patreon page which is patreon.com slash pod um don fields i asked him if he wanted to and he said sure so he came in at secret messages And Mike Hudson is the most recent one who came in a little bit before we started hitting songs for Alone in the Universe. And lately I've been switching them up for the episodes that go out to everybody for free. Um, If me and Eric hate or like a song, I will pick from Troy or Don or Mike if they have the opposite view of what we thought of the song. So, and if it's a split opinion, then, you know, I don't know. I, I figure out who's got the better one, and or who's got, the, who's got the tiebreaker, and put them in. So, they're in every expanded episode, but for the episodes that go out to everybody, I switch it up to try and be fair, so that it's not all just, well, if me, Eric, and Troy hate this song, then it's kind of leaning one way. Although there have been a couple of songs where Everybody didn't like it. So, Yeah, absolutely.
2: Eric, you were about to say something. Yeah, I was about to say, and uh, that also gives us an option if Troy decides to sing a Bee Gees song again. To just cut that completely from the podcast and use Don or Mike.
0: Well, Mike wasn't there yet, but yeah, that was uh, (laughs) a bad... Yeah. Yeah. Troy's learned his lesson from that. He's gotten much, much better. Um, Except for learning to
2: how long the voicemail lasts.
0: <laughs> right. Right. For this, uh, <laughs> for the Alone in the Universe bonus tracks episode, he he banged on the songs pretty hard song by song. But at the end of the album, he was kind of like, you know, maybe I was a little too hard on this song on this song. I actually liked it more. And on this one, actually. And then this one. And then when he got up to the album wrap up where he was going to talk about the what he thought of the whole album the voicemail cuts you off after three minutes. So he'd hit that three minute Mark. And and
1: then you had that fabulous uh, feedback from the person who actually sang backing vocals as well for
0: ELO. Oh yeah. Marge Raymond. Yeah. Yeah. um, I thought that was, I thought that was great. We actually got comments from somebody who worked with ELO in the studio right there Um, was on an ELO album. So I, I'd love that. There was a guy who did a a remix of um, "Ordinary Dream." Yes, "Ordinary Dream" from Zoom. Um, and it was really great. It was better than the one that was on the Zoom album. And I asked if he would record himself, uh, you know, talking about how he made that remix, And and he did. So it was really great to have him on there. And one of the things that I'm still, like, I can't believe this happened, is um, I got Mary Jo West to read the news bits from that are playing in the background of "Here Is the News," and Mary Jo West was a big deal news anchor on Channel 10 in Phoenix back in the '70s through the '90s. Um, she was; it was uh, she was the first. Female news anchor for local news in Arizona. And she was a pretty big deal. Everybody knew who Mary Jo West was if you lived in Arizona from 1975 to, well, probably after that. So I put out a call for any of my radio friends, you know, would anybody be interested in just reading these little bits from my podcast? And when Mary Jo West said, sure, I was like, this is awesome so <laughs> so yeah it was it was really great to actually have a broadcasting what le- an arizona broadcasting legend do a little bit for my rinky dink podcast
1: absolutely anyway thank you for talking with me today guys it's been oh, brilliant
0: yeah no it was a lot of fun i liked it
1: mm-hmm. yeah me too. definitely thank you very much mm-hmm. thank you and you can find Pods Like Us, obviously, on all networks because I go through Podbean, so I'm on Apple Podcasts, uh, mm-hmm. Spotify, Stitcher, iArt radio all of those mentioned. Uh, you can find me just by looking for Pods Like Us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, I've started... started uh, tiktok as well so on there i will post up things that i listen to there are some bits from episodes of uh your show actually going up on my tiktok soon that i've oh, cool. uh, pulled out yeah to, to put up there to advertise yourselves great and anyway thank you everyone for listening i hope you're listening again to another episode of pods like us